Hello, I'm Denise Roberts, and this is my podcast, Thoughts, Words, and Deeds. Everyone has a story. I'm here to unpack those three words and how they can propel you into greatness or stop you in your tracks. I also want to introduce you to one of my guests today. That's Lori Jo Vest. Lori, say hi. Hi. <laughs> Lori and I have worked together on and off for years. She's been a student, a friend, a cohort, a trainee, a, a, coach, partner, a partner, a business partner. We yeah. do so many things together. Yeah. So, um, Lori, uh, I want to start this, and I want you to bounce off of this and play off of this with me, but... You know, why am I here? So I've been in business for, God, 30-some-odd years helping people manage their internal dialogue or what we call your little voice. You or know I would I mean? say to even make sure they're actually recognizing it as yes. their little voice. very well. Things, that's, things well, that your brain tells you that might not be true. Right. And when I say little voice, do you know what I mean when I say little voice? Well, I've read the book. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't the book I wrote. I'll, I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due. That book was written by Blair Singer. But um, in when we talk about a little voice, it's the dialogues that go on in your head. And um, everybody can probably admit that they've got that going on. Well, I don't know about you, but I have more than one voice. And no, I'm not schizophrenic. But um, I got a party going on up there half oh, the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Oh, lots yeah. Of, lots of them. Right? One Depending says, on what day it is. Yeah. <laughs> one that says, yes, you can. One that says, no, you can't. And the third one says, "Are you? who are you kidding? Right? Yeah. Are you sure you should be doing this? Right. Yeah. Just like this podcast, right? So, um, but the purpose behind all of this is I want to share my story in this one and how and why I got here. Um, the intention of this is to help others because um, 30 some odd years ago, I literally started my sales career hiding on a staircase in tears. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of unfold that. Uh, it was the 80s. Maybe that's 40 years ago. I don't know. The Some 80s. time ago. But it was the 80s. Um, I uh, was selling copiers. I had, by the way, I'll back up one more step. I had sold myself into the job. Right, I really didn't have the credentials or anything else. I was a uh, the most expensive thing I had sold was a hundred dollar Mary Kay uh, kit to someone, and now the least expensive thing I'm going to be selling is four thousand dollars. Little mindset shift, but uh, and that's a tough sale. Office supply or office equipment sale is sales is one of the more difficult career choices if you really dig into it. It's well, really tough. I wish I had known that at the time. <laughs> I did not. I was so naive. I just needed a job. Um, and so I said, I'm going to go get, and I sold myself into this job and they offered me a three-month salary guarantee and then a draw against commission. They offered me a company car. I thought I had died and gone to heaven. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, I didn't realize the reason. Oh, and yeah, and then they sent me off to training in California. Very cool. Oh, yeah. Right? So um, what I didn't realize is the reason they gave me three months is these things don't sell overnight. Mm -hmm. You need to be building a pipeline. You need to be prospecting. and um, All those things that are really difficult to do when you're just starting out in business. Well, They're intimidating. Yeah, and but I was... I was very good at a game, and the game is called Creative Avoidance. And oh, yeah, I've played that. I have spent I spent two and a half months of this three month guarantee uh, avoiding making a prospecting call. 
right? Yikes. Yikes. I rode with other salespeople. I said, what if a customer asked me how to fix this? So I learned how to fix a copier. <laughs> you know, all you the did things. all your research, yeah, which is right, what a lot right. of salespeople yeah, do word. to avoid yeah, research, the actual research. sales process, yeah, which can be so scary. Yeah, thanks. And and by the way, they sent, when they sent me off to training, um, I was top in the class. Of course you were. <laughs> and they wrote glowing letters home to the owners. And then there was a Christmas party and the owners came up to my husband at the Christmas party and said, she's going to make you big bucks. Ooh. And no, no one, pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one knew how scared I was, including my husband. So um, it's the day after Christmas. So now the party's come and gone. It's the day after Christmas. I have a brand new suit on. I have two more weeks left of my guarantee. And my sales manager says to me, Denise, what do you want to do today? And I said, I want to go cold call the biggest building in my territory, which was downtown Detroit. And he said, great, go for it. And I said, I only have one question. What's that? How do I get there? And that should have been his first sign of what's wrong with this picture. For God's sakes, this woman's had this territory for two and a half months and doesn't even know how to get there. Oh, no. Ah! Yeah, that's tough. So anyways, he pointed me in the right direction. I drive downtown Detroit. I park. And parking was like a dollar a half hour. It was outrageous. But, you know, I park and I get out of my car and I look at my watch, and it's 11 o'clock. Do you know what 11 o'clock is, Lori? Well, it could be time for early lunch. <laughs> well, yeah, I would say that because only scared salespeople were having lunch at 11 o'clock, and I sure fit that camp. So I, uh, I started to um, – I ordered lunch, and uh, I ate lunch for two hours, which is really hard to do when you don't have a newspaper. And by the way, remember, I told you it was the 80s. So there are no iPhones. So I can't be playing on my phone or anything else, right? So after the umpteen time that the woman said, can I get you anything else through gritted teeth, I got the message I should leave. So I headed for the uh, uh, elevators. Well, actually, I looked at my watch, and I said, it's 1 o'clock. And I said, oh, I was taught in sales school that the decision makers, I need to talk to a decision maker. So I made up in my mind the decision makers might have taken a late lunch. They usually, or longer lunch. Yeah, or a longer people. lunch. Good. Right. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. That helped my ego. So it was, uh, I was going to kill time till two. And so all I could do was window shop. I had no money. After all, I couldn't buy anything. But I was planning, right? So anyway, so it's now two o'clock. I go to the, the Tower of Elevators. And I pick one of the four towers, and I said, all right. And I pushed the top floor, because I figured I'd start at the top and work my way down, right? And um, it was a glass elevator. So as the, uh, as the elevator went up, and I could see the Detroit River, my confidence went down, and I wanted to jump. <laughs> and yes. I said, jump. My little voice, my internal dialogue was saying, you can't even make a prospecting call. How are you going to jump, right? So anyway, so I'm, I'm praying to God that when the doors open of the elevator, there's not a receptionist sitting right there, which there wasn't, thank gosh. You know, so um, instead, uh, I started down the hallway. Now, remember, it's the day after Christmas. This is the Detroit market. A lot of people, what do they do that whole week after Christmas? Oh, everybody takes that week off. Lots so of, well, why yet. do you think I chose that week? Exactly. <laughs> oh, darn, there was nobody there. I yeah, couldn't make I couldn't a make any call. business, right? 
So anyway, so I I, uh, I finally muster some courage and I head down the hallway and the very first person I see, she's two o'clock, she's locking her door to go home because she knows there's nobody here and there's no work to be done. So she's going to go home early. And she looks at me and she says, can I help you? And I said, no, I'm on the wrong floor. <laughs> and I headed for the staircase because if I got back in the elevator with her, I was expecting her to say, what do you, who are you looking for? Maybe I could help you. I was afraid to tell her, I'm looking for anybody who wants to buy my copier. Because now I'm expecting her to say, soliciting is frowned upon here in this in this building. And we're going to throw you out. And we're going to call security. They're going to handcuff you and throw you out of the building. Your little voice was busy. Oh, oh it was busy. going. It, it was having a party. So I go to the 39th floor. And I start to walk down. And I hide between the 39th and the 38th floor. I figured unless there was a fire, I was safe. Oh, yeah. No one was going to find me. No one was going to walk up or down that many flights of stairs. So what I did is I sat down and I burst into tears. And I just said, who are you kidding? And those two voices, remember now there's two voices that are talking. One voice, like the devil and the angel, is saying, who are you kidding? You've got, you can't sell. Go home. you got a husband. you got two kids. Where was it written in your marriage contract? You'll sell copiers and make big bucks. It wasn't. Get out of here, right? The other voice said, hey, time out. The least you could do is try. These people have invested in you. They've given you a company car. They've been paying you for, for two and a half months. If you just quit now, you're going to hate yourself the rest of your life. And so I stopped the two voices, pulled out a book that I carried with me then, read a passage that said, I will persist until I succeed. I dried my eyes and I started my sales career that day. But I tell you that story because that also started a quest for me. And the quest was how do I manage this internal dialogue? How do I not let it take me out? How do I not let doubt, you know, take me out and all the fears, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, which I like to call FUD? You know, how do I deal with that? So it took me, I spent the next 10 years of my life taking every book, tape, seminar, course I could take to address this. And what I found is that no one really addressed this part, the prospecting part. You see, they all taught me what to do and say when I was in front of a prospect. They taught me how to, how to sell. They taught me how to present. They taught me how to overcome objections. But the hardest part was getting in front of someone. And all they had for that were cliches. Make another smile. Make another doubt. No pain. No gain. And all that was crap. None of that worked for me. So one day, I just put my head down. And remember, I am working, and I'm fighting this all the time, and I'm getting beyond it. But I'm never reaching my full potential. I'm just hanging on by my fingernails half the time. And I put my head down. And I said, why does this hurt so much? And I immediately, six reasons came to mind. And then I said, how could I not make this hurt? How could I make it better? And four steps came. And that was the beginning of a training course that I created called Painless Prospecting. And then I spent the next 30 some odd years or whatever sharing it with everyone I can. And again, what I want to go back to though and unpack is not only there's a how-to, but there's a what's going on first. So it's the thought, what was the thought that popped in my head? The thought was, I'm going to fail, I'm going to be... Uh, ostracized, I'm going to be uh, disapproved of, I'm going to be thrown out. 
literally. That's why I even embellished it to where they would handcuff me. That 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 would be so awful <laughs> yes, that I would, couldn't. That would be bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I would be publicly embarrassed, right? That was the thought. So then the words in my mind were run away, hide, get out of here, do whatever you got to do to get beyond this. And the last part were the deed, was the deed. And the deed was I did. I went and hid. And then when I could get my senses back, I realized that all I needed to do was approach people. Everybody wants and needs something of what you may have to offer. All I was there to do was find out who wanted or needed it, mm-hmm. you know, and it Instead of making myself nuts, making myself wrong, all those kinds of things. So why I choose to do this is I swore that day that I didn't want anybody to ever go through what I went through. And that's why I've spent the last 30 years of my life helping people get beyond that. Helping people see that it's about connecting, not pitching. Mm -hmm. It's about dealing with someone's what they want or what they need instead of trying to manipulate it to pitch or pounce or or push your exactly. thoughts your agenda on them yeah i spent 30 years of in of my career in sales and i always say i never sold anything i just made a whole bunch of really good friends with people who could buy what i had to offer and that was how i survived because honestly i relate so much to what you're saying having started my career in sales and I, you know, it was in, again, it was in the eighties, same time period. And it was really difficult to try to push yourself on people or to pounce on people or to make a ton of cold calls. So my boss taught me, put yourself in a prospect rich environment on the, a daily basis so that you meet people and the ones you connect with can become your clients. Right. So you're never really selling as much as building a trusted relationship and that really really true connection that I that you talk about so your thought was different than my thought obviously right at that point what was your thought when your boss told you that well he used to he really challenged me and I'll, I'll tell you my favorite thing to tell some of the young people that I work with is my boss right out of college I'm you know 22 years old and he would spend a half hour every day with me it was wonderful But he would challenge me to get me past that fear. And at one point, I, you know, I'm a little ad account executive selling ad space on billboards. And he would hear about an ad, you know, advertising association event of some sort. And he'd say, hey, Marcy Brogan's going to be there. And if you come into work tomorrow and I hear you didn't sit down right next to her, I'm going to be so upset with you. And he'd laugh. And of course, that was, you know, here I am going, oh, that's a that's thrown down a challenge. I got to do that. So I'd sit next to Marcy Brogan and I would end up starting a conversation with those people and befriending them. And my, you know, they were the, the power people at that point in time. And I was just a little 20 something. But I managed to ingratiate myself and create some relationships at those higher levels and actually get business because of it. But the way I got past it was the challenge. Oh, he doesn't think I can do this. I'm going to do it. And I would. And that taught me over time who to look for, to look for those people that, that were people that I was going to be able to connect with or that for some reason were my kind of people, you know. Now, had he not done that, had he not challenged you and you were just told you had some sort of quota, right, what would you have naturally done? Hid. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a salesperson. Here I am. I mean, I'm not a traditional salesperson. 
I have a lot of clients for my business that come to me, but they come to me because of the relationships I've formed over the years. If you told me today I have to make a cold call, I would be shaking in my boots and my voice in my head would be telling me that, you know, they don't want to hear from you. They don't want to talk to you. Why would they, you know, you don't know that they have need what you're selling. You don't know that they are going to like you. Maybe they already have somebody that does that. And all those voices, and there are times when I can push through it, but honestly, in my career, I have not really ever relied much on cold calls because my my little voice goes into overdrive and it's painful. So, yeah, so it stops me from doing that. I found an alternative route. <laughs> right, right. So he was smart enough to see that and to steer you. Absolutely. But left to your own devices, right? Now, because if I go back to my life, um, that day, not only did I start a quest, but I also went to my manager and said, because um, I had eaten into that draw because, of course, I didn't sell a copier within two weeks. And I was salesman of the month and still was getting a draw check, right, where everybody was thinking I had, you know, buku bucks that month. You know, I had sold more money than anybody else had ever sold. And, and I said to my manager then, put me on straight commission. And I believe, like, almost my entire working career has been straight commission. Right. So that little voice can get, you know, that bulldog of how am I going to make my nut this month? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Mm-hmm. And so I was always going after, okay, there's a billion people out here. Let's go. Let's just start knocking on doors. But again, like you just said, if you're not targeted and you're not focused, you're all over the board. Right. And if you're not grounded in what those thoughts, those words, and what those feelings are doing to you, you will just keep a, be adrift. Avoiding. 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 Yeah, creative avoidance. I'm really good at it. Yeah. You know, the research. You have to do a lot of research before you can make yeah, that phone really. call, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be yeah. a couple hours. Yeah. And then by the time you're done with that research, oh, it's after 5 o'clock. Yeah, it's too late. I'll do <laughs> so, this tomorrow. Right. 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 And I have done, and you know, I've also taken the approach in business um, of casting a wide net, so that I and more marketing than direct sales, person to person sales. So with marketing, attracting the right people so that when I was in a presenting mode to tell them about the company I worked for, I really knew they were already interested. You know, so that's one way I was able to get around it was by really developing my marketing skills. <laughs> so and my networking skills, too. You know, yeah. I would go to a lot of events. I would be at events, you know, three or four times a week. Well, let's talk about networking really quickly, because, as you know, I teach a course called The Art of Networking, which we actually renamed The Art of Connecting. Um, but what are some of the mistakes that you see people make at networking events? A lot of people go with uh, with a heavy agenda. That I need to meet, you know, I want to meet three hot prospects. And the sales directors encourage that. And then what you get is people coming up to you, introducing themselves, losing interest and walking away. And what they, you know, what what is always interesting to me is then when you see that person again, you kind of already have an impression that they're not interested in talking to you. I call that shoot the wounded and keep yeah, going. Yeah, shoot the wounded <laughs> and, and keep moving. And it, it does really, it bothers me because it's so cold and it doesn't consider the person that you're talking to. You know, if you can't do anything for me, I shouldn't talk to you. That's weird. 
you know, that doesn't create relationship, which is what business is about to me, you know. It, this is the way I see networking. I was going to ask your thoughts on this. Um, networking, even when you look it up in Google, it usually comes from what can I get, right? Exactly. Like I'm looking for connections to for further my business, my career. I'm looking to get another job or whatever. So where's the focus in that? It's on it's on you. Yeah, it's on yeah. you. And your needs. Other, yeah, my need. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've got limited time. You know, um, I got to work this room, right? And connecting, though, on the other end of that is is I'm I'm not coming from an agenda. I'm coming to see if I can make some friends, meet some cool people, be helpful, be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I always knew for some reason, and I'm sure I somewhere early in my career, somebody introduced me to that whole concept of reciprocity as well. So I even when I was in my 20s in sales, I was always looking for the opportunity to give them a lead or, you know, talk to somebody. Oh, I know somebody that needs that. But again, it was for my own. It was to serve my own needs. Ultimately, you know, it had an agenda behind it. Yeah. A hidden agenda. A hidden hidden agenda and maybe not quite as strong, (laughs) you know, but I would. And again, I would I would gravitate toward the people that I could have great conversation with, not the guy in the corner that might be the, you know, that big cheese somewhere and decision maker if he was intimidating I would avoid him and talk to his underlings <laughs> you know I just didn't I you know I was always really intimidated by people that weren't like me so yeah it's it and networking events can be difficult because of those kinds of uh, little voice issues well yeah and I've seen in my career many wonderfully talented people who just um, let that stop them they miss opportunities because mm-hmm. they are afraid of what to say, don't know what to say, are thinking they're being judged. They're um, introverts. But they're, well, yeah. And um, as I do this program, and, and uh, ironically, introverts have a secret weapon that an extrovert doesn't have when they are networking. Do you know what that is? They don't want to talk. Well, that's <laughs> so they'd thing. rather listen. They, yeah, thank you. So they listen twice as much as they talk. So they can, uh, if when they come prepared with a few questions to ask the person they're talking to, especially if they're talking to an extrovert, the extrovert's going to run with it going, yay, I've been waiting for someone to ask me about me. I've been waiting for <laughs> right. somebody to listen to my stories. And, and if they're listening intently, not like, oh, I don't want to talk anyway, so I'll just stand here. But if they're listening intently for how they can help, then everything shifts. Right. Right. It shifts even for that uh, obnoxious person who's there with a hidden agenda. Right. Or a full onboard agenda. You don't meet my profile. Right. Right. However, what happens is uh, like magic. Um, I found in the years that I had long before I created the program, in the years that I would go to a networking event, whenever I went in search of leads, I walked away disappointed. And I would say, this wasn't a good room. I wasted my time. Nobody's here. I'm not coming to any more of their events. Right. And any time I went to be of service to see how I could help and connect people, I always walked away with leads. And that's how it works. You know? I think on the grand scale, that's how it works, too. So that's back to the mindset, though. So it's right. the thought. If the thought is, I've got to find, there's there's a, uh, there's a needle in a haystack here. There's someone wants 
to need, wants what I have to offer. I mean, I, I'll share this. This was the funniest. When I first started my business, I'm at a networking event and I'm talking with two women and a man just interrupts us, just walks right up to us, interrupts us and said, how many printers do you have? And she said, uh, one. And how many do you have? Two. How many do you have? One. Okay, got to go. Bye. And walked away, right? And he did this all night because he was looking for someone that had five or more. And that what, was it. That's the only person he, he wanted to talk to. what he did was network printers, yeah. right? So when the evening was done and he had worked the room, right? Uh, and I think he even handed us his card and said, it. by the way, if you get any more printers, call me, right? And, and walked the whole room. And then later he was done working the room and saw us. And he said, by the way, what do you guys do? And uh, I said, I teach a course called Painless Prospecting. And uh, he goes, really? Tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was like, well, you really want to know? <laughs> no kidding. But he just, he just like totally shot us down. We didn't meet his profile. And then later wanted to know more about us. You know, like, but he had a, he had a mission, yeah. right? So his thought was, I, someone's in this room, can't stop. Right. So Have his to words find him. were, yeah, yeah. got to find him. And his deeds just, you know, made him obnoxious. Oh, right? absolutely. Right. And that's the guy that when he came around and talked to you again, you'd be rolling your eyes at him. Like, really? Okay. Well, well, he said, maybe I should take your course. And I said, really, why do you why do you say that? <laughs> <laughs> so it was just fun to watch that. But again, it happens in all areas. So that we're always at like a fork in the road when our thoughts start to take us south. We can uh, stand back and say, where's this coming from and why? You know, what, what's the outcome? Where could I go with this? And that's what each week we want to keep talking about, you know. So I love the fact that your thoughts led you into, and your boss was smart enough to say, to challenge you, right. but also lead you in the right direction rather than just go out. I don't care how you find business, Lori, just find me business. I Make was extremely quota. fortunate to work for this this guy, and he he would spend a half hour with me every day, and there would be a different topic, like looking in the newspaper and finding people that were new in their positions. They probably need new vendors, so you want to reach out, and connect, congratulate them on what they've done, you know. And he it was really interesting because it was passing down the knowledge, and he was willing to do it, and I just soaked it up and. Honestly, I've used a lot of the advice he's given me throughout the years. He was very relationship-oriented, that that's what it's about. It's about relationships with other people. That's what will make you successful. So he was right. Now, if his thought was the opposite, if his thought was just go out, find business, make that quota, I don't care how you do it, right? What, where, do you, where would your mind have gone? Honestly, I don't think I could have stayed with the company if that was the type of sales because I'm I that's not in me to be that type of person. So I think I would have lasted there probably about 3 months and that would have been the end of it because I didn't have at that point I didn't have the knowledge or maturity to figure it out on my own. I really needed that support and he taught me such great things he really did and how long did you end up staying because of the direction he took you in i was there about three and a half years okay so in three and a half years what do you think business-wise you brought that man oh this was back in the 80s so i would go out and i had a quota of twelve thousand dollars a month that i had to sell ad space on billboards the other guys in the office used to go out and sell to small businesses i would go to the ad agencies and i would get a hundred and fifty thousand dollar contract 
that would cover my whole year. And it would be very targeted. For example, one was Prince Spaghetti. They were making outreach into the African-American community in Detroit. That's was who we targeted. Um, and this was before there was even such a thing as ethnic tar- targeted advertising. So it was very new. And then I would start building another relationship with the, somebody else at another agency. And six months later, I'd bring in another $150,000. So over the course of three years, probably over a million dollars. A million you know? dollars yeah. versus yeah. over the course of three years, the other way. What would I, you have gotten? It would have, I would have gotten stuck, and it would have been significantly less money. Right. Significantly less. Now, so if his thought was, I don't care what you do, just make your nut, right? Yeah. And then his words were followed that, right? And then your deeds were, all right, I'm cold calling, but I can't stand this. And then you left. I would walk away, yeah. And then what would he have lost? We just did the math. Yeah, he would have lost all those. He would have lost a million dollars dollars in in sales in three and a half years. Right? Yep. And at best, if you would follow his other path, 12,000 a month times 12 months is like 150,450. Right. So you doubled that, built relationships that even when you left, probably stayed with the agency. Exactly. Yeah. I really opened up the advertising community to them as far as being an option to reach the citizens of Detroit. Yeah. So, so now yeah. you even went in a different direction than he might have even been planning the business to go in. Yeah. So that's an example of how a thought word and deed can work in the positive. We've talked about a lot of how the thought words and deeds can work in the negative because, you know, when we run up against any kind of challenge, what stops us? Where do we stop? Right. You know? Versus how do we work through that? And I think some of this is just about knowing that you can look at those thoughts as a little voice. You don't have to believe the voices in your head. (laughs) (laughs) And when you believe them, that's when you get in trouble. You can choose to believe them or not. Right. And a lot of people, I think, might not even get that far. Yeah. They just have a thought and that's what is. And then they're off and running. And maybe in a destructive direction. Because those little voices aren't always going to tell you. Matter of fact, a lot of times they're going to tell you to go the wrong way. Right. Well, we just talked about it from a business perspective. There's right. so much that you can unpack in a relationship. You know, Absolutely. You can unpack it in, in a, a physical, a health, anything, disease. Everything can go. But it all, where does it go? Where do the thoughts, words, and deeds lead you? And then how do you turn them around when they're taking you in the wrong direction? So I want to thank you, Lori, for being here today and, and uh, sharing your stories. And uh, uh, next week, next time, we'll do another one with someone else's story and their thoughts, words, and deeds and where it took them. Thank you for listening to Thoughts, Words, and Deeds, where we'll share how to have your thoughts, words, and deeds work for you instead of against you. <laughs>